news is one of the most insightful businesswomen that I know. Sarah is absolutely amazing. Sarah's wisdom, enthusiasm, and positive outlook on life motivates me to be a better person. Her ability to see the very best in people is just awesome. Sarah's coaching and mentoring inspired me to become an entrepreneur. What an inspiration. Welcome to the Destined for Greatness podcast, where we believe that each person is destined for greatness. I am your host, Sarah Noose, and I'm joined by my handsome co-host, who's my husband, Adam. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Good. So fun. Now, today's episode is a bit different than the ones we've done before because it's really heavy. It's serious. It is serious. And it's an amazing story. Actually amazing that she's even alive right now Mm -hmm. because she's uh, done so much, been through so much, really hit rock bottom. But she's out doing good things and uh, just a sign that that Jesus can come in and and be a big impact on you. Yes, so true. So her name is Annie LaBerre. And she is a former call girl and worked in the sex industry um, for many years, for 16 years, actually. Um, But then she founded a Christian ministry called Hookers for Jesus. And in 2010, she produced and starred in a three-part documentary um, on her organization titled Hookers Saved on the Strip. So can you guess where she's from? Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so amazing. So... um, Gosh, just even wrapping your word around your head around the word prostitute and sex industry and sex slaves and this stuff, it's so heavy and something that I'm not familiar with, nor are you, I'd like to say, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, But it's just, it's intense from when the time she was really a young girl and journeyed through this, trying to find um, herself, I guess, Um, went from Hawaii and then to Vegas, she's from Minnesota, but she shares her story and it's really raw. And what I love about her is that she shares it all. She does share it all. And it's actually unbelievable that you've become friends with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Just thinking of the path that she went through and the path that you've gone through completely different, um, but ultimately both trying to do good things. And, uh, and it's fun that, that you've been able to, to meet her. I was recently out in Las Vegas and kind of seeing uh, some of the girls walking around the streets that you're like, oh man, there's deeper stories there. Uh-huh. And it was recently, uh, I went right after you um, interviewed her. So getting to hear that story ahead of time of, of being there, I was like, oh man, what a what a tragic story there is behind each of these right. uh, people. But there is hope because she's out there trying to turn them around and that's uh, really promising. Yes, it's so cool because, so what she has done, so she shares her story very detailed on our podcast, which I'm so thankful for her um, for doing. But so she shares it very intimately. Um, But what she has done with her story. So she started a house in Las Vegas called Destiny House. And it goes, it's a safe house for these women that are in the sex industry in Las Vegas. Um, And you know, it's, I think it's really amazing that she's the one who does it because she had walked those steps. She had walked in those bars in the brothels and she was a part of that. And so she knows best how to reach these girls. I think I would have a really hard time going in. I'd be, my jaw would be dropped probably the whole time and just very confused and not understanding 
every detail of it, but she does because she had walked that. And so now she is such a source of light and hope for girls who really feel trapped. And um, what I thought was so amazing in the story that she told is how from the outside, I wondered, Annie, how are you trapped? You were in Las Vegas. You were able to get out, right? And no, she felt so trapped throughout her whole story. And it was um, a trap physically, but then also mentally. And the way that she was abused and hurt and talked to and taken advantage of over and over and over, she believed that's who she was um, until Jesus showed up in a real way for her. And that's the story that we love hearing. And um, on our Destined for Greatness podcast, what we love to tap into is taking action. I mean, I'd say she has taken some serious action. She did take action. And one of the other podcasts that we've done with uh, talking about Chick-fil-A, yeah. they talk a lot about knowing your master. And, mm-hmm. and that's a perfect example that her master for a long time was drugs and money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can't get away from from drugs and money once you start getting deep into it. And that's what was ultimately trapping her was drugs and money. Yeah. And uh, once she changed her master and got her master right, mm-hmm. things started uh, looking upright for her. And you know what's something that's so amazing, and she's going to go into this, but do you know what saved her life? <laughs> cancer. Cancer. Crazy. How amazing. Like, most of us think cancer is what kills us, um, but really her diagnosis was um, a way for her to get out of where she was. And so um, for her to say, I don't know if she said it, but cancer saved her life, um, and she's in remission and just doing amazing things, but I think that's so amazing how something so terrible that the world looks at so terrible was really a lifesaver for her so she's just amazing she's a take action girl it's a wild story and her heart is gold so please listen in to annie lobert Well, it is an honor today to have Annie Lobert on my show. Annie, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're so welcome. Gosh, girl, you have a story to tell and you are moving mountains. What I love so much about you is the journey and the struggle that you have gone through in your life, but what you have done with that is turned it into a story to really free people. So I would like you to just share your story with us, um, really how you got to where you are today. But let's take us back to your getting ready to graduate high school. Tell us what happens. If I be honest with you, going to the high school section Mm -hmm. would not do justice to the one before that, which was my childhood. Okay. And I think that our brains experience life so differently when we're we're ages one to 10. Mm -hmm. And that whole filter of a childhood experience, if it was frightening or if it was good or if it was traumatic, kind of sets the trajectory for the rest of your life. Yes. If we allow it to, Mm -hmm. to define us, which I'm so thankful I have not done that. Right. But in the beginning of my life, I did. So there was a lot of abuse growing up in my family and also just physical and mental and emotional. Mm. Very, very, a lot of manipulation. And then also we had some neighbors that uh, I got sexually abused by mm. for several years. Wow. So I had this whole outlook on my life of 
everyone is bad. Yeah. I can't trust anyone. And so when I became a teenager, I went totally buck wild. Total. Like I believed that if I found a boy or a boyfriend or a man in my life, it would replace the terrible father that I thought of, that yes. I had. Now, Annie, as, as you've taken us back, can you recall what age were you when you first started experiencing that abuse? Was it your whole childhood? Oh, my whole childhood. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't remember when it wasn't abusive mm-hmm. because I, I remember when we were on a farm in Cannon Falls, Minnesota, and I'll never forget this. My dad was sitting with me. He was in the driver's seat of this truck and we were loading something. We had a turkey farm. Mm. We're going down the road and I think I was maybe three or four and I was sitting in the middle and then my mom was on the right side and I was in the middle and he, there was a stick shift. Yeah. And my leg got in the way when he was doing the stick shift. Mm-hmm. And he yelled at me and slapped my leg so hard like there was welts on it for like two weeks and bruises. That's how hard he hit me. Mm. I don't think he realized that he was actually being abusive in that manner, but he just lost his temper with me because I was in his way when he was shifting. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I just remember that stand out in my head. And then he yelled all the time. Like there was hardly any days he wasn't yelling. He was an alcoholic that got completely sober, but he never dealt with his serious mental and emotional problems that he had Mm -hmm. my dad was not treated very well as a young boy my grandfather was also abusive wow so we just have generational curses being passed down from generation Mm -hmm. to generation my grandfather was a drinker my dad was a drinker wow so even though my dad got sober it just carried over regardless because he never dealt with the trauma when he was younger right so, so he was in those chains young and yes, then he, he just absolutely pro- mm-hmm. my poor dad i mean i and i love him and he has passed away a couple of years ago but we did reconcile uh, way before he died we had a right. great relationship praise mm-hmm. god <laughs> now tell but, me this you know, were your parents married dur- yes. okay so and did your mom was she also abused living in these chains too or was oh, it of, of course yeah mm-hmm. she dealt with so much watching us kids yeah be severely disciplined by my father mm-hmm. but also herself yeah he treated her like a kid and when he didn't get her his way with her he would hit her he would yell at her he would call her names mm-hmm. f-bombs be flying out of his mouth and then also, just slapping her down, blood on the floor, I would have to wipe it up. My mom would cry herself to sleep. When my dad went to work, I she would cry and she would just, you know, be in a place of depression but distraught. But mm-hmm. at the same time, my mom was really tough. She would just get busy working, cleaning the house or, yeah. you know, making clothes. She was very crafty. She'd cook up feasts. And Mm. she would just, you know, do the whole garden. She'd do the farm work, whatever was going on. My mom handled it like, like a man sometimes in many respects. She just had to. Do you think that that, that piece of her working so hard was for the approval of your father, of your dad? So he wouldn't come home upset, like trying to make everything perfect. So it wouldn't happen again. I do believe that was part of it. But Mm -hmm. my mom in general because she came from a Polish family mm-hmm. that came over here in 1899. Very hardworking people. Yeah. Uh, a family of nine kids. Wow. So she knew hard work. Right. And 
that's just the way she is. Mm. She gets things done. Yeah. But, you know, she was afraid of my father. And there were things that I learned even this past couple of years that my mom admitted to me that my dad was threatening my mom with the shotguns. Wow. Telling her that he was going to kill all of us and her Annie. and himself mm. if she decided to leave and take the kids. Wow. So she was in constant coercion. Yeah. fear and manipulation it's just like you're being trafficked except mm -hmm. you're a slave at home at home wow right and she did get human trafficked because mm -hmm. and i have to say this he would um she'd go to work and he would spend all of her money he would oh. like control all the money and he there was really no freedom mm. Wow. And that's the first time i've actually realized that and saying that right now yeah. she was not sex trafficked but she was uh, a slave a to my slave. father that's yeah. unbelievable. And I'm so happy that you took us back to that place because really that's the foundation that took you on a wild ride for years. It was that if had had your childhood been different, had you had felt love and acceptance and had self-confidence, your life trajectory would have been very different. So so fast forward a little bit um, to, to kind of where you started to spiral out of control. Honestly, I can't really recall when my thoughts went rebellious because deep down inside, I was already thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Although I was introduced to Jesus when I was four or five, and I'll never forget the peace that I felt. Mm. So I remember learning about Jesus and accepting him into my heart. And then when I was eight, nine years old, when I was being sexually abused, uh, I, Jesus really became a, a center in my heart, like a rock in my right. heart, because we were going to a parochial school, mm -hmm. a private school, my brother and I, and I learned a lot about faith and about God and about the Holy Spirit and Jesus. But I think where it really, really went crazy is when I had my hormones hit me and yeah, I was noticing that the boys at school just were absolutely enamored with me. Mm -hmm. And so I took advantage of that and started dating different boys. And obviously when you start doing that, you end up diving into sexual encounters because boys can be boys and girls can be girls as teenagers. And we end up doing the wrong things when we're not taught properly. And so right. even I was told by church, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I decided to indulge in sexual yeah. Behaviors, obviously, because my boyfriend at the time told me he loved me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was a virgin. And, of course, we were supposed to get married. Right. And all that yeah. good stuff. But that did not happen. Mm. And my heart got broken completely. And I just went off the deep end. I think I just started drinking a lot and doing uh, smoking a lot of pot. And then. And this is high boys. school. Yep. Mm -hmm. High school and date raped. I would wake up, not remember what happened. I would be sore and. I went into my teenage years after high school the same way I would go out on the weekends, fake identification. Mm -hmm. I got a, I got like three jobs in Minnesota, so two part-time jobs and then one main one at American, American Express, which is Investors Diversified Services, downtown mm -hmm. Minneapolis. And I wanted to go to college, wanted to save up. My father did not have college money for us kids because he blew the money on antiques. He had an antique addiction. Wow. And like I said, he controlled the money. He demanded mm -hmm. that whatever he get, he wants, he gets. So that's what happened in mm -hmm. my life, watching my father spend money like that. And so I honestly wanted to go to college, but it did not happen that way. Yeah. My girlfriend and I went out one night, and this is where the trafficking started with these sex traffickers, these pimps. Is 
we went out to this club called Marshall's, which it's now a strip club called Choices in downtown wow. Minneapolis. It's a wow. white brick building. And we started dancing and we went to the bar and they said, hey, uh, we'll buy you some drinks. And these men were very wealthy looking. They had furs on and beautiful shoes, nice watches. They were actually wearing sunglasses at 1030, 11 o'clock. Wow. I mean, come on. Don't you think we would have known they were yeah. kind of scammers? Right, right. But, you know, you're you're young. You're 18. You're mm-hmm. 19 years old. You're just super naive. And you just believe everything you're told. So my girlfriend starts dating one of the guys. And, of course, he t- takes her to beautiful Oahu in mm-hmm. o- Hawaii. And she learns how to sell herself. One of his friends, which was another pimp, had his main bottom girl teach her. A bottom girl is the main girl in the stable of women that are working for one pimp. Okay. The, the main so girl she learned is the bottom girl. The main girl. girl is the bottom okay. girl. Right? Does that mean like so that's she, his favorite or what does that mean? Not necessarily. It's the one he trusts the most. Okay. The one that's usually been with him the longest, but that does not mean... She's always the bottom girl. He, okay. he will. There's no real rules of the game. They, they make their own rules up as they go right. most of the time. But this is the original rules of the game is that she is the bottom girl because she behaves the best. Mm-hmm. She's been there the longest. And it's the the pimp's favorite girl that okay. does what he wants. Basically. Now, can we park it for just a second, just so um, the listeners and I can fully understand this. So your girlfriend and you meet these people, do you know, so you don't realize they're pimps at the time. You think they're just no. guys with a whole bunch of money and you're enamored we by that. Think, mm. Yeah. And I would have never gone with them if I, we knew they were pimps. And right. My girlfriend wouldn't have done that either. She wasn't that stupid, right. but you, you don't know everything until yeah. you know. So when he calls her to come to out to Oahu, she's thinking, this is my boyfriend who wants me to come on this beautiful island that's the way he he lures her out there would you say well they went together actually okay so it 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 was a point of him you know saying Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take you to the beach and right of course she was very very excited and she went and he turned her out Mm. and turnout means he taught her how to sell herself and she called me up and said hey i'm making a lot of money you know our dreams are being answered where mm-hmm. we can get what we want in our lives finally because she had daddy issues just like I did. Yeah. Okay. Dad was never there for her. And so she grew up a young girl without a father, actually, mm-hmm. which is the same kind of bait that the pimps use. They look for girls that have major insecurities. Right. So he's seeing she has that. Finger. Okay. So he's thinking, yeah. I can take care of you and I can also show you how to make some serious cash. And she's like, please well, tell me. Is that how it yeah, works? She, yeah. She believed him and obviously he didn't take the money from her right away. Mm-hmm. He got, he tricked her really, really like hardcore because she was allowed to keep her money for a while. Wow. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't demand it from her, but eventually started happening like that when mm-hmm. he tried to control things but for me my ex i call him ex my ex pimp mm-hmm. he actually i didn't meet him until after i got back to minnesota but when i went to hawaii i learned how to sell myself and then i got back to minnesota after two weeks quit all three of my jobs and started working the court services and mm-hmm. i got really really afraid because 
I had a couple guys that tried to get very violent with me. Mm. Pull one guy pulled a knife on me, another guy pulled a shotgun on me. Oh my god. And gosh. I decided to work in the strip clubs. Yeah. I wanted to I thought if I work in the strip clubs maybe it'll be safer. I'll be more protected. Yeah. So okay. But that's where I met my pimp. That's where so when you go out to um Hawaii with your friend, she teaches you this. And I remember um reading something about you that it was two Japanese men, correct? That your mm-hmm. your first time and and tell us what kind of money do they pay for the for this? Well, everyone is different and every girl is different and now that the supply and demand is different, mm-hmm. the money that used to be in the industry of the sex industry itself mm-hmm. is way different. When I was working in the 80s and the 90s, we would ask per client depending on the agency fee because the agency fee is a, a out call service that sends you out on calls wow. and that was anywhere from 125 to 450 mm-hmm. but that means you only get $50 and then you get your tips above that oh my gosh so i would always quote you know $1000 mm-hmm. $2000 $500 750 depending on right. what each man wanted mm. We don't always get that amount, so you negotiate and you collect your fee. Wow. So nowadays, the average, I believe the last time I checked, the average age of a sex slave, okay, mm-hmm. is actually about $60. Wow. Wow. The average price, I should say, that age. Uh-huh. The average price wow. worldwide is about $60. Now... Uh, honestly, for me, I was super bougie. Mm-hmm. I was a high-class call girl, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't do certain things, and I wouldn't take a certain kind of money. Yeah. Like, if I needed to get the money, and I wanted a certain type of tips. Yeah. But I always somehow got the money. I would yeah. talk a customer out of it. So, literally, you know, 10 calls a night. 10 calls a night. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and sometimes only 5, sometimes 15. It depends on how busy it is, and then... If a guy wants you longer than an hour, wow! If the same client wants you longer. I shouldn't say client; I should say pervert. Pervert, yeah. Not be no, that's that. so true. Okay, but then then you said you got a shotgun and a knife pulled on you. So you're you're giving them the service, and what are they not satisfied? So they pull a knife on you? Is I mean, I can't even wrap my brain around they, this. You know, it's all different scenarios. Yes, if they're not satisfied, if you charge too much, if they just are crazy and a weirdo, mm-hmm. they'll just do whatever they want. Yeah. You, there's no guarantee in this industry of mm-hmm. being safe. Mm-hmm. There's no panic button. I don't care about the brothels. They can brag all they want. If a guy wants to kill you, he's going to come in and right. kill you. Wow. No one's going to stop you. Wow. Okay, so that's just part of the business. So I ended up working in the strip club, and I saw a man walk in a couple months into it that was very beautiful and mm-hmm. good-looking. And I thought, wow, this guy is just so like, wow, I, I was so, like, impressed by what he looked mm-hmm. like and the amount of money he was tipping me. I had no idea that he was a drug dealer. Oh, gosh, Annie. Dealer, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Slash pimp. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I knew eventually, like he told me, I said, you know, what are you doing? Like, are you doing something illegal? He goes, well, yeah, I, I deal dope. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, you know, that's just, this is crazy. What mm-hmm. a, you can't do that. And so I actually... We fell in love with each other. This is what I thought anyway, because right. he really didn't fall in love with me. He just wanted to use me for the money that I had. Yeah. 
he did not take money from me in the beginning. Uh, it was mine. Mm-hmm. So this is how some of the pimps get the girls. A lot of the pimps get the girls. So like you feel like, that, hey, this Romeo. is an actual relationship. In drawing back on your childhood, this man actually loves me and cares for me. I get to keep my money. So that's the what yeah, you're believing and also, at this point. He didn't, I told him later what I was doing, that mm-hmm. I was throwing tricks on the side and mm-hmm. that I was meeting clients and getting money for whatever I needed. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you're just really a smart hustler. You're mm-hmm. a good girl. So he makes you feel like, "Mm -hmm. wow, wow. And you buy into the whole thing because you're like, wow, he's interested. Yeah. And when I think back now, I I look back and I'm like, just so disgusted. Like, ew, why did I even think that somebody would even care about me if I was selling my body like that? What a lie from the enemy. That's how the enemy comes in. He comes in to steal, kill, and destroy to Mm -hmm. trick our minds into believing that if we debase ourselves, somehow someone else is going to love us. That's a bunch of... But you didn't know better. You didn't know better. You know, so it's one of those things that I know you're like disgusted now, but now you know, you know, the power of Jesus and that sort of thing. And so, but there you were, you were very tricked. So you're with your pimp feeling protected and then tell us what happens. I took, I took him with me to Las Vegas because my girlfriend had a house here with her boyfriend, the one that was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And we came out here the first night that I worked. That's when everything went totally like, actually, there were some instances before that, but this was where it really kicked in his violence and who he really was. The first night that I worked, I brought home the money and he told me to break myself and then he proceeded to beat me down. Now tell us what break bloody. break yourself mean. That give that you everything? Give, give yeah. you give them every single thing mm-hmm. out of your purse wow. or in your pockets or in your bra, wherever, whatever money you have on you, whatever diamonds, whatever gold, give them everything, whatever mm-hmm. valuables you have, break yourself. And that night I was faced with the fact that he told me mm-hmm. I'm your pimp. Mm-mm. Wow. And if this is how it's going to go, gosh, you know, yeah. you, if you, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to pay me. And you know, if you try to leave, I'll kill you. So you, there's no other, there isn't, wasn't even a choice. Like mm-hmm. I, I was stuck there. And, so and you're this is the part that really was the worst is the part that you, when you love someone, you'll mm-hmm. do whatever they ask. So the trauma bonds already been formed and yeah. now you're in love. And I watched my mom and my father play that role. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like a, like a shoe that I put on like Cinderella in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But it was evil. And wow. it was like, I knew that I loved him that, and I thought my love could change him. That yes. was my hope. Yep. And that's probably what he knew these women would of think. Course. Now, how long they, did he do this with all the girls? Oh yeah. How, how long did he court you? Let's say, I don't know if that's the right word even, but to, to, to gain that trust from you, how long did it actually take, take him to gain that trust? Honestly, I can't remember how long it was. I, I know it was at least a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if I look back, I'd have to look at my timeline of everything that happened to me. <clears throat> right. Because it wasn't very, very long. I just knew that I would do whatever it took to be with yeah. him. But again, I was so drawing, in love with him. Yeah. Well, drawing back on your childhood, it's like, wow, I'm at the time you're feeling love and accepted. I'm sure your self-confidence is going up. And, and the abuse hadn't happened yet. And so once it enters into the picture, you realize, hey, now I'm being sex trafficked. And this is, this is, I, I walked well, there into was this no deal. Word. 
No. Okay. There was no word for it back then. Yeah. And you you don't just in your mind go, oh, I'm being sex trafficked. Right. But what you do think is he's using me mm-hmm. and he's controlling me. Mm-hmm. And so even when I explained this, when I first started sharing with crowds and churches and universities, schools, law enforcement, a lot of people would look at me like I was crazy mm-hmm. and they would say, well, you didn't get trafficked. You willingly gave that money to him Mm. no we were forced yeah and also just because there is a door that is opened doesn't mean you can walk out that door yeah yeah you know it's it's a glass house that you can't get out of because you can see the outside yeah but there's no way to get out because you if you try to leave you will be severely hurt Mm -hmm. and possibly killed so the threat is real the coercion is real fraud manipulation coercion is all part of trafficking Mm, force they force you to do what they want Mm -hmm. there's a great wheel i'd love people to look up when they get done reading this or listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast is it's a sex trafficking wheel okay and if they read that wheel Mm -hmm. there's nine slices to the wheel they will understand what I went through more than anything. And also if they get my book Fallon out yeah. of the sex industry and into the arms of savior, I have every slice of that pie listed in the book and I break down what it means and why it happens. Yeah. So, but that's really important to remember mm-hmm. with any type of abusive relationship, because this has been going on for thousands of years. Gosh. Okay. First of all, mm-hmm. number two, Domestic violence is the same thing, mm-hmm. almost verbatim, except for the selling of the person to other people. When you add that to it, in that relationship of domestic violence, it becomes sex trafficking. Yeah. So you could literally have domestic violence, and like my mother did, and be in servitude and be trafficked, but it won't be considered, considered sex trafficking. It. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you're you ramp it up with someone's being sold for their looks and their Mm -hmm. money and someone else is controlling the money and they're being sold to many, many different people, then it's sex trafficking. Right. So, and it's getting more publicized these days, which is good because hopefully they're the law enforcement is putting things into play. But at this time, they're not the ones buying it either. Right. Sometimes they are. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I mean, truth is truth too, you know, so that's, that's important to call it as it is. So, okay. So now you're being, you're, you're with this pimp for five years, correct? correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I actually got with another pimp after him for another five years. So oh, I was wow. with two different pimps for mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just feeling like you said in a glass house, looking out and seeing, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is my life. And at this point, are you, have you been doing drugs or not yet? Not until probably not until like the 11th year. Okay. I stayed away from drugs. I drank once in a while. Mm-hmm. But I started doing painkillers and cocaine on probably about the 11th year after Mm -hmm. I came down with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And I became completely addicted to painkillers and completely addicted to cocaine. So Annie, those who don't know your story, you're being sex trafficked, you're feeling sick, you find out you have cancer, and you're still having to perform services. Yes, I was. I had wigs. I lost all my hair. I was about a, a 95 pounds at the time. I went through chemotherapy for one year and radiation for one year. So I had two years of full-on treatment. Pure hell. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Pure yeah, I was hell. like, 
Mm-mm. Stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma, which there's four stages, mm-hmm. so halfway through. And yeah. I, I could have died, obviously. Yeah. But by the grace of God, I'm here. And part of that cancer was a wake-up call for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I did cry out to Jesus. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I got out of the lifestyle completely. So uh, it, this was such a hard thing for me in my life to go through. Mm-hmm. And all the trauma and all the abuse and all the pain. Mm-hmm. Honestly, some people would say, well, wouldn't it be great if you would have just been in a normal family? Well, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't have yeah. this beautiful story platform. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I'm a better person because I was mistreated. Yeah. I feel like I have so much more. And this is what happens to people that have been through hell and that have been through really hard things mm-hmm. and they have been severely abused. There is a beautiful light inside of us when we've overcome Mm-hmm. through Christ that others can see and we are a doorway and a light and a beacon yeah. for others we are a lighthouse for others when they're lost in the sea of sex trafficking mm-hmm. to be be released and to receive peace and to receive healing mm-hmm. to the far and the near yeah. you know yeah. especially with the wicked fist of the traffickers mm-hmm. hit repeatedly not just physically but just mentally uh emotionally yeah you know it, it it's like it's socially abused it's every it's, form it of goes abuse so deep. yeah yeah it, it goes so deep but god is good he is He's tell good. us about that moment of and and i've seen you talk about this before but but that breaking point of the cocaine overdose the heart attack well, that was actually, I actually overdosed twice in one week. I don't talk about the first overdose. Okay. Because four days later, I went and did the same thing again, mm. but to a worse level. Yeah. I thought I almost died four days prior to the last overdose that actually Was that your happened. hope? Were you trying to end it all? Was it that, or was it I just... I think subconsciously mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. I didn't care anymore. I was right. just so tired. Mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, I'm here. I overdosed on August 2nd, 2003. Wow. With cocaine and basically my heart i had a heart attack it it felt like there was a train Mm -hmm. going through my chest Mm. like a giant train and it was just pulsating the pain every single beat of my heart hurt so bad Mm -hmm. and when i went to the hospital the doctors were just like you have so much drugs in your system yeah and i of course already knew that duh but I didn't realize how much <laughs> yeah damage you know I had mm-hmm. done until until the doctors told me and I laid there and it's just it was probably one of the best days in my life because I laid there in the hospital and I realized that I wanted to change my life I was done I prayed and I told Jesus that I would never go back to drugs and I would never go back to selling myself ever again. And that Mm. is exactly what happened. Gosh, I love that. I mean, Mm. he's, he's so good. And again, I'm not perfect, but that was, I feel like it was so long ago. I mean, it's almost 2019. Mm -hmm. So 2003, how many years ago? Golly, that's amazing. So tell me this, Jesus or hookers for Jesus. When does this this start i mean because this is then a ministry or how how what are the pieces for that it was always in my heart because i told Mm -hmm. it you know jesus in my prayer that i would help other women Mm -hmm. but i actually 
really felt pulled in the call in 2005 to actually go out and start doing outreaches. Yeah. So two years after. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, there there has to be a point where you heal and mm-hmm. you have to get to know who you are mm-hmm. in Christ. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned about Jesus is his love. Mm-hmm. And I studied love and I studied the fruits of the spirit. And mm. I started reading my Bible. I started going to church. I went to every single church event that I could be a part of. Wow. And hung around people that were believing in Jesus just like I was. Right. And I'm talking about people that were serious about it, not just, oh, I go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. I was involved with people that were serving the homeless, Mm -hmm. serving church. They were there every day of the week. Right. You know, they were on the prayer team. You jumped in two feet. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I didn't like when I do something, it's 100%. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and, and I wouldn't have had it any other way, and I still don't have mm-hmm. it any other way. I have never changed that process with inside of myself because that desire to be near to Him has always been true, and it always has been real. Now, I'm not going to say it's been the strongest right. or the weakest. You know, like, it, it, it's not been medium. It's it, You know, there's days where it's really passion, passion, full on. Mm-hmm. I'm just on fire, and I'm crying, and I'm just having the best day <laughs> And then there's times where things are so hard that I'm just like, Lord, yeah. you got to pull me through this because I can't see right. the trees. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, there's nothing in front of me and I cannot tell where I'm going. Yeah. And so, you know, the healing process for traumatic abuse, ritual abuse, and, you know, growing up in that type of ritual abuse from my family generational curses is uh, very possible to heal mm-hmm. from. Right. I know there's people that say, well, you have to have therapy the rest of your life. and You have to go to this psychologist and go to that traumatologist. And it's like, you know what? Listen, I have a one step and it's called surrendering my life completely yeah. to Jesus's love. Mm-hmm. And that's what did it for me. Yeah. And yes, it was not, you know, in, in some respect, I would say it was automatic where I just flipped and I was one day just in the graces of him. But it, it's been a process. Yeah. And I do know that the solid, the solidarity that he's put in my heart, though, of following him mm-hmm. and doing his directive, his objective, God's will, the Father's will in my life, walking it out completely has definitely been a decision that I made on August 2nd, 2003. I love that, Annie. I, I've never gone back from that. And I can't. Mm. And I'm the type of person, Sarah, that... Why even do this if you're not going to do it 100%? Right, right. I know. Quit well, playing games. Exactly. And you see so, you've been on the inside. Like you said, you've been on the glass house and now you're on the outside. And so this ministry, Hookers for Jesus, you're there to help girls. who You've gone through that. They, You know, the, the, um, the saying that through our test, there's our testimony. And so your test is there for all these girls who are trapped, feeling trapped, that your testimony can say, hey, I see where you are now but see where I am today and I can get you there. I can help you. There's healing. There's Jesus. And so you're bringing these women who feel like they, you know, have low self-confidence, don't feel self-worth. You're teaching them who they are 
through Christ, which I think is the most amazing thing to do. And it's happening in the U.S. A lot of people think that sex trafficking is in different countries. It is right here in the U.S. Um, and it's it's a problem. But your ministry is here to help these women. So tell us how your ministry, what does your ministry do? Well, we are actually a nonprofit agency that started with, you know, case management services, outreach to the women that were being trafficked or women that just wanted to get out of the sex industry itself. But I was bringing the girls to my house mm-hmm. and letting them sleep on my couch. They had no, a lot of them had nowhere to go. So I, did, I felt like the call in my life, in my heart in 2007 to start a home for women, uh, a safe house, so to speak. Wow. Before, and I think, honestly, we I was the first faith-based survivor-led agency that did wow. this in the country. Wow. Um, and I never, like, there on the internet, there was nothing. Back mm-hmm. then, there was, like, trickles of different things that was out there. Right. Now, it's like, if you look in every state, there's safe houses. Like, right. It's, it's yeah. amazing what God has done. Gosh, right? no kidding. Because so, it's needed. So needed. Yeah, you know, it, it is needed. And it's a very specialized care. However, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, started with Destiny House and we've grown into a, a larger property now, which we're so thankful for. And mm-hmm. We have a full staff. I mean, I, I cannot believe the way things are. Uh, that they are right now because I don't even know how we're making it from day to day. If you saw the expenses that we have at our, yeah. our larger property now and the women and then, of course, all the caregivers that care for them and mm-hmm. our staff and our, our lay staff at the house and then, of course, our office staff and our security staff, we have a lot of things that go into running a full-on program <laughs> like we have. I can only so, imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a lot. Like, we have a lot of volunteers too, but it it, it takes money. And honestly, I don't even know how how mm-hmm. God is providing. It just blows my mind. Like, the the minute that I think, oh my gosh, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, and and honestly, I have a really good grant writer, and she's trying to get more grants for us right now. And right, and that helps. But you know, our our best and our biggest base of our support is private donors yeah and you know people that we just meet on social media yeah and people that have known me over the years i have a lot of faithful donors that have known me mm-hmm. from the very beginning of my space that's when i first my story <laughs> yes that sounds so stupid but no but that's like it, got, it it tells us when that was you know like you said yeah, long like, ago mm-hmm. so and then the other thing is is that with survivors and survivor-led, there's there's starting to be more survivor-led agencies, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. But we have this stigma that a lot of people think that we're not healed or mm-hmm. we're not strong enough or we're not capable enough. And while that might be true when a girl first gets out and when she's healing, but we have to give these survivors a chance mm-hmm. to prove themselves. Right. And if they cannot help them prove themselves, mm-hmm. this is why we're here. We're here as a support system, as the body of Christ, to lift their hands when they cannot lift their hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the Israelites, you know, they were get, being taken through the desert by Moses. Right. But Moses had people along his, alongside of him that lifted up his hands when he was too weak to do mm-hmm. it himself. That's so we beautiful. We need to do that with a lot of these survivors. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. And 
So the promised land is there for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in it right now. However, it doesn't mean we don't have giants that we face continually. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we don't have highs or lows because we definitely have lows. Yeah. And there's definite highs. But I just trust that God's going to continue to provide. And also he has created such a... Uh, such a leader in me and mm-hmm. the people that are around me teaching them to be better leaders Yeah, that I, if I would have turned back 15 years, 12 years, or even 13 or 10 or five, I could say to you, Oh, I don't want to know that girl from back then right? because she didn't know what the heck she was doing. <laughs> and so every day is a new challenge. It's a new passion. Mm-hmm. It's a new day where I say to the Lord, Lord, teach me. I'm yeah. teachable. Make me teachable. If I'm not humble me, and I hate that prayer because you know he will do that. Right? <laughs> he will do that. He will do that. But I will say that Annie LaBerre, you did not graduate college. You had low self confidence. You were abused. You had drugs. You were cancer. You know, you had cancer. But you know what? You have overcome. You are running a ministry. You are moving mountains. You are saving lives. You are doing incredible things for people. So nobody. Nobody can count somebody else out because of what you have overcome through the power of Jesus. You can tell all of us you can, you can, if you want, you can. And with the power of Jesus, anything is possible. And you've proven that and you're out there. Not only did you overcome and say, Hey, no more drugs, no more, you know, um, prostitution, but then you took action. And on my podcast, destined for greatness, that's what I talk about a lot is We all have ideas. We all go through stuff, some worse than others. And your story is profound. But Annie, what you have done is taken action. You've used your test as a great testimony and now are setting people free. And I just think that's so amazing. That's why I was like, Annie, we've got to talk on this podcast because I want other people to know no matter where they are. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe they're just struggling in life that there's always light and the light comes in the form of Jesus. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Gosh, you're just amazing to me. I think you're such a smart businesswoman. You are dedicated follower of Jesus and you're just somebody that the world needs you're such a light so tell me this Annie if um, people want to learn more about you if they want to donate if they want to read your book can you give us those resources on how people can connect with you real simple hookersforjesus.net like fishnet because our mantra is this hookers for Jesus we exist to help women that are drowning in the waters of the deep dark storm of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So it's based on Matthew four nineteen. I will teach you how to fish for people. So that's hookersforjesus.net and then on Twitter, Hookers for Jesus and also Annie Lobert. You can mm-hmm. look my name up and you'll find all my social media. What I wanted to say, Sarah, the mm-hmm. last thing, the reason why I truly believe that God does bless entrepreneurship mm-hmm. And Jesus gives us passion to help the lost and the needy. Mm -hmm. When we've been there ourselves is because we become that example. Mm. And it says in Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, Mm -hmm. to undo straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? It is not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you have seen the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. And so this is where God really got me, because if we obey what he says, 
He heals us mm. in our messiness, in our ashes. We become beautiful because, you know, our our healer is Jesus. But mm-hmm. as we're hurting, if we start helping other people, because it says in Isaiah 58, 8, it says, Then your light break forth like the dawn, yeah. and your healing shall spring up speedily. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. doesn't say it's going to take forever. <laughs> it says right. it's going to spring up speedily. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I, that gets me excited. <laughs> every time that I feel... Like, right. I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, when are you going to do this? Like, I'm really mm-hmm. in a lot of pain right now. Mm-hmm. I'm so over it. I'm over this. I want to get over this hump in our nonprofit. I want to get over this hump in the entrepreneurship because I'm getting ready to do some brand new things. You know, I, I remember that line, and your healing shall spring up speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Mm. You know what? Because so God good. is there for us. Mm-hmm. He is there for us. It says, then you'll show, you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here am I. Mm-hmm. So I just, um, I'm just really encouraged even by what you do in mm-hmm. Destiny Thank for Greatness you. because, you know, our destiny is God's destiny. Yeah. And if we're in alignment with him and we're being obedient to the will that he's called us to, we are going to be in the perfect destiny plan mm-hmm. now our motto at our house is dream girls get to dream again they get to dream because they've had nightmares almost their whole life they get to dream again mm-hmm. for god I love that. they get to discover who they are and what love has came down to save them and reconcile them to their father and then they get to develop into the women that god has already originally designed them to be and then of course the last thing is they get to live out their perfect destiny in god so I think we fit your podcast pretty good. I love Dream, it. Discover, develop destiny. Yes, girl. I just love you. And you're just such a breath of fresh air. I cannot thank you enough Thanks. for your time. And I just, you know, in it, when people look you up, you're just the most adorable person ever. And of oh course, <laughs> me um, owning a dance company, your pink hair and purple hair is like my favorite. <laughs> I love girl. it. I love it. Tippy toes. Come on, Tippy toes. That's right. That's right, girl. I just love you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Sarah. God bless you. If this podcast was helpful, it would mean the world to me to have you rate it, review it, and share it on social media. Social media is a big place. And to reach more people, I would love your help. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, you are destined for greatness.